was envisioning myself as a radiant, healthy person. And so as, and letting my body catch up to that image. So when love I was, that. I love was that. so badass. And he was like, your problem isn't that you're not dreaming. Your problem is that you're not dreaming big enough, go bigger and bigger. Like what are your big, hairy, audacious goals? What is like, what are you open to receiving that is beyond your wildest imagination? Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Reshape Your Health podcast. I'm really excited for today's conversation. And if you've been following the podcast over the last few weeks and listened to my episodes with Ashley Simcox about gut health and medications, you're going to be well-prepared for this conversation with Esther Blum. She is, she's been on the podcast a couple of times before. I always love getting connect, getting to connect with Esther. Um, and she is here today to talk about menopause and she's an integrative dietitian and looks at gut health and hormones and lifestyle factors to help women optimize their health. So she herself has overcome Lyme mold toxicity, adrenal burnout, and Epstein-Barr virus, and just loves to help women heal complex medical issues, balance their hormones, lose weight, and eliminate the need for medications. If you follow me, you know, I'm not a big medications person unless it's absolutely needed because of the polypharmacy that develops later in life. So I love that. And her latest book, which I love the title, see you later ovulator is available for pre-order now and comes out on October 4th, 2022. So Esther, thank you so much for your time today. I'm so excited about your new book and just all of these great things that are happening with you. I know you've been doing this for decades now. It's really awesome to see all of your hard work pay off. Oh, thanks Morgan. I know it's really exciting. I'm turning a hundred next week for my birthday, but all the supplements and you know, hormones I take make me look much younger. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm, I know we were talking a little bit offline about like, what do you really want to cover today? And we definitely want to get into topics like why antidepressants and birth control aren't going to fix these menopause symptoms, like medical gaslighting. Um, and then we were going to talk a little bit about my decision, um, two days ago to stop drinking coffee. Uh, full disclosure. I don't know how long this decision is going to last. Um, <laughs> I'm very uncomfortable with it. Still. I have tried, um, a few weeks ago, I think I tried and I gave it up for a week and then I slipped back into it and you thought it may, might be interesting and helpful to talk through that decision on like why I decided to do that. So where do you want to start today with this episode? Let, let's start with the coffee. I mean, let's just get just unpack that right now. So what was your decision? What was your rationale to, to stop it? Yeah. A few things. Um, first and foremost, our children are two and four and they're finally sleeping through the night. And so I felt like this was an okay time to try to adopt a new habit. I'm really big on not doing something that I feel like might stress me out even more. Um, number two is I felt like at certain times of my cycle, specifically, the week before my period, it kind of seemed like I felt more anxious than I wanted to feel. It was not debilitating. I know some people really struggle a lot with debilitating anxiety and mine was not that. Um, but it did my, you know, I could just feel my heart kind of beating faster. I sensed, um, urgency that I didn't like. I like to be calm and peaceful. Um, I had a little bit of a lack of mental focus when I was having these anxious episodes, and then mid cycle. So if you're a guy and you're tuning in, I know that we have male listeners. I'm sorry if this is TMI, but this episode is about menopause. So here we go. Um, so, so mid cycle, which was about the time that I was supposed to be ovulating, um, maybe a little bit before ovulation, I would have like Brown, like I would start bleeding again. And I'm like, I don't understand why this is. And so I did some research and what I found on Google, you know, Dr. Google 
it said that maybe your stress might be high if you're having this brown discharge. And I have been working very hard on my stress management and I feel like I am improving the quality of my food. I'm not eating inflammatory foods. The caffeine was kind of the lowest hanging fruit. I'm like, maybe this could be it. Like maybe the caffeine is causing a little bit of unnecessary stress, like on my adrenals that are affecting my hormones in a way that's causing this discharge. Um, I know that Cynthia Thurlow and many other people say like your cycle is like your fifth vital sign. And for a long time, I was just kind of, oh, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But then, um, we, we got COVID last month and my cycle was six weeks long. Like, again, I thought I was pregnant and like for three times now, uh, I've thought I was pregnant because my cycle was longer in 2022 than it should have been. And I'm like, what's causing the, the increased length of cycle here? What's causing the Brown discharge? It was finally like, I just wanted to pause and say, is there something that I could optimize here to improve the health of my cycle? And if yes, let's share it with the broader community because, you know, let's be real, like people, this is kind of like a new realm to talk about publicly when you're talking about your cycle, but it's a really, a really critical piece to a woman's health. So those are the main reasons. And I just, I caffeine, I know can be an addictive substance and, I don't want to feel like I need something to function. Like I want to feel like I'm in full control of my health and my choices. Um, and if I don't want a cup of coffee, I don't want to obsess about it all day. Like, Oh, I miss my coffee, you know? So that's the background. Where would you, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. Well, first of all, talking about your cycle is going to be normalized because 1.2 billion women are going to be in menopause by 2030. So just keep your eyes open and your ears open because you're going to see a lot more about menopause. It's going to blow pretty soon. It's, it's We're really at the tipping point. In terms of the mid-cycle spotting and stress and anxiety, the second half of your cycle, progesterone really drops. And progesterone and hormones really are driven from the top down. And so if you've got a lot of emotional stress, um, and or too much physical stress, you know, your progesterone, the second half of your cycle is really going to be lower than it should. So I'm not sure if you've had testing done yet. Mm -hmm. I've never had any like hormone testing or anything like that. Okay. Now is a great time to do the Dutch test. It's Mm -hmm. a dried urine test for comprehensive hormones. We've definitely talked about on our podcast, but it's really going to give you a window into for a a regularly menstruating woman, it's done between days 19 and 21 of your cycle. And it's going to give a really clear window into what's going on with your adrenals and your neurotransmitters in your brain. And it's also going to tell me what your progesterone is like during the luteal phase of your cycle. So number one, let's say that you know, a lot of people crave coffee or rely on it because a, they're not sleeping well at night, Mm -hmm. but B because their adrenals really need some extra love. So a good place to start, you know, just as a placeholder while you're getting off coffee and waiting for your test to be done is to get on some adaptogenic herbs. This, these are adaptogens are herbs that help your body become more resilient in the face of stress. Now, this doesn't mean you should put more on your plate at this time, you know, but it's a great way to support your body. So rhodiola, ashwagandha, holy basil, cassandra, all of those are wonderful herbs that can help, um, help your body and your cycle level up. Let's say that you are deficient in, um, in progesterone, the second half of your cycle, a great herb to add in is chase tree, which goes under the name Vitex a lot. And taking that days 14 to 28 of your cycle can be incredibly benefit beneficial at, you know, getting a more product, a more robust production of progesterone. Why am I so pro progesterone? Because progesterone is really the chill pill. It is calming. It helps make it's uh helps make GABA, which is a very calming neurotransmitter in the brain. 
It supports sleep. So for those of you who notice like during PMS, especially like seven days before your cycle, your sleep goes wonky. It'll help give you a nice gentle boost in progesterone. Um, and so it's, it's a wonderful calming, uh, uh, hormone that you can add into your regime. Certainly also though, what I drink, I don't drink coffee because it just makes me really witchy and irritable and makes me more tired. And, and yeah. this is the thing, Morgan, I would love to see you maintain off coffee for a while, because what most people notice is short-term it's brutal. That withdrawal is not pretty, but long-term energy is better. Irritability is better. Moods are better. Um, and so, uh, I drink uh, perform by four sigmatic. I, I don't have any financial ties listeners. This is just what I personally drink, but it is an adaptogenic drink. It has cordyceps and it has cacao. So it gives you good mental focus and supports your adrenals. And just, it's a nice gentle lift. It's not the coffee buzz. It's not, but you also, you know, your spotting will be taken care of in the month. I think when you get off coffee and support your adrenals in other ways, you won't crave it so much. Yes. And I was, I, I love pushing myself outside of my comfort zone too, so that I can better empathize with, you know, our Zivli members who, and just people who like want to make a change. Yeah. And it's interesting that, that cognitive dissonance of like, but you love coffee. And like, I, I literally write in my gratitude journal as I'm drinking my coffee. I'm so grateful <laughs> for this coffee <laughs> and heavy cream. Like I yeah, just yeah. really, it became part of like my morning routine that I just cherished. Yes. And so there is that pull, but then this, the first day in my journal, I wrote like your why has to be stronger than your want. Like, mm -hmm. okay, you want your coffee, but your why is to have a really healthy cycle and to have, you know, more stable energy. Yeah throughout, not only the day, but also the cycle, I think is really motivating to me instead of like having periods of energy when I'm like on a little caffeine buzz, but then kind of having that the lower period, I don't have a crash, but like a lower period. Um, and then today I wrote, you know, how interesting it is that we make a change one day and we always expect to feel better the next day. And <laughs> isn't that true? And it's just like, oh, yeah, you don't like, I still don't feel chipper. And I don't feel like my energetic self. And my husband yesterday was like, you're, I wasn't mean or anything. I wasn't super crabby. He was just like, you kind of seem like a little crabby today. And I'm like, well, I didn't have any coffee. He's like, oh yeah, honey, that explains it. <laughs> <laughs> he gets it. He's really sympathetic. Yeah. Um, and you know, so I think that it really gives me such a lovely, lovely way to empathize with people who are making a change and they make what feels like a really big decision, you know, maybe it's less alcohol, maybe it's less sugar, maybe it's less caffeine, maybe it's more exercise. And they really had to work themselves up mentally, even to pull the trigger yeah. and say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this. And then the next day they don't feel better. Mm -hmm. They actually maybe feel worse mm -hmm. and that's not motivating, you know? So we have to always keep that, like the end game in mind of like, Hey, when you're cleaning out your closet, it's going to get messy before it gets clean. When you're cleaning up right. your lifestyle, it might get a little messy before it gets clean. Um, and so that's kind of my reflection. We're really new into this. This is day two. Um, but mm -hmm. I do have hope that it will improve, especially that cycle regularity, that mid cycle, the mid cycle spotting, and then also reduce that, um, anxiety. My question here when you're speaking of adaptogens, I've also heard of people supplementing with GABA. Um, what's your, what are your thoughts on that specifically? Like in the second half of the cycle, then if progesterone yes. is dropping, which means that GABA, that calming hormone is dropping, yes. do you ever recommend supplementing with that? Or is it more of a test and see situation? I do. But again, um, it's, it's, I, I go to the root first. So if somebody is looking to get their progesterone up at first, I would do chase tree if she's menstruating or if she's peri or postmenopausal progesterone is gonna, is gonna help, but yes. And then if those things don't help, then I do recommend GABA. Okay. Um, yes. So try the chase tree. I've heard great things about holy basil too. And so I might have oh, to kind of go back and yes. re-listen, but 
I think I can remember two things. Um, I'm such a, I, I show my age one. I'm like, I can't remember anything. I have to write it down, but taste <laughs> holy basil. I'll try yes. to remember those two and, and definitely start some of those supplements. Um, I think that segues really well into the next part of the conversation where can you explain to us what's going on in perimenopause and menopause with the estrogen, with the progesterone and why antidepressants and birth control don't really get to the root and maybe what we should consider instead. Mm -hmm. Yes. So in practice, you know, my, my practice is primarily comprised of perimenopausal and menopausal women. And the difference between the two is that menopause is officially a year, 12 months consecutively without a period that is considered menopause. Um, if you are in perimenopause, you're going to see signs of irregular periods. Um, and the average age of menopause, by the way, is 51. But so in your forties, chances are you're going to see signs of regular periods, potentially heavier periods with blood clots, um, really heavy surges, or for other women, the periods kind of skip here and there, or they start to get lighter and lighter and kind of gently fade away. Um, you may start feeling hot flashes. You can feel vaginal dryness, low libido, brain fog, weight gain. That seems like it's come on overnight, especially around your midsection, um, insomnia, irritability, mood swings. So not everyone gets all of these symptoms, by the way, because when I list these off, people are like, oh crap, this is, I'm really going to head down a dark tunnel. <laughs> and I'm I like, know. well, you know, my goal when I wrote to you later, ovulator, is to offset and get ahead of your perimenopause yeah. as much as possible to smooth out the bumps in the transition. And so what happens is, and what I hear again and again, I mean, I'm talking like, I have literally had thousands of conversations at this point with women who go to the doctor, they say, I'm having all the symptoms I just listed or some of them. And the doctor gives, says, well, you're in your forties now, welcome to perimenopause here's a prescription for the pill, or let me put in an IUD. Um, one of my clients told me that her GYN said, well, I think you could try an IUD. I personally take Benadryl shots every night. And this was from her doctor. So, and a lot of doctors will not want to test hormones because they're going to say, well, your hormones are fluctuating so much anyway, I'm not going to get an accurate baseline. And this is true because your estrogen does fluctuate up to 30% on any given day. However, oh my gosh, time yes. out. Like, uh -huh. can you just acknowledge uh -huh. the craziness of a woman's body? 30% yes. fluctuations in estrogen. It's like, so if you're feeling great one day and you're yes. kind of like off the next day, yes. it's okay. Like, that very well could be like a normal hormonal shift. Um, I feel like my husband needs to hear that. Yes. I, I've calmed down a lot. And, um, he's so like, that's my favorite thing about him is he's so <laughs> cool and calm and collected and, and level-headed. And I have definitely shifted towards that direction, but I always love knowing stats like that to justify those days that I'm like, kind of, yes. you know, a little bit less level-headed. Yeah. Yeah. And it, listen, it happens to all of us. Um, yeah. and it's really, it's, it's not anyone's fault, but we do want to make sure that we preserve our marriages and we are, mm -hmm. do not throw our children out of the house. And we do get ahead of this. And the beauty is there are so many amazing solutions to get through this. So a lot of doctors though, will prescribe, as I mentioned, the pill or the IUD. Why are those not great solutions yeah. or not uh, ideal solutions? Number one, the pill and the IUD are designed to suppress ovulation. Okay, the pill in particular lowers progesterone. Well, in perimenopause and definitely in menopause, your progesterone is already declining quite consistently and regularly, which means you're going to get an uptick in mental health changes. There's an uptick in depression in anxiety and in insomnia, which would give anyone depression or anxiety. So, uh, and certainly irritability, I call it meno rage comes fully, full force out there. So 
the pill is not going to correct your progesterone deficiency. The pill is only going to compound the situation in time. Same with the IUD. Whereas if women instead in this perimenopausal phase started adding in chase tree in early menopause, uh, perimenopause, and then in late perimenopause started adding in topical progesterone or bioidentical progesterone, then we'd be bringing everything into balance and progesterone also opposes those super heavy periods with the clots and gets mm -hmm. everything under control. You know, one of my really dear friends, I had put her, she was telling me about these massive surges. She was having clots, like just create, it was like a scene out of a John Gotti, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, dude, just have your doctor put you on some bioidentical progesterone. So she did, and she was had been going back to the doctor for sonograms of her um, ovaries because she had cysts on one and, and a fibroid. She said everything shrunk after three months on progesterone. And I was like, dang, that's amazing. I didn't even know that would be a side effect or a benefit for her. So you always want to go to the root cause of the problem. If you are hot flashing, also, you know, antidepressants have been clinically shown to suppress hot flashes. But again, hot flashes are an estrogen deficiency. They're not an antidepressant deficiency. And when you go on estrogen and progesterone, and by the way, ladies, you can do this when you're in perimenopause. I am living proof. Mm -hmm. I am on bioidentical hormones. Even though I get my cycle, I'm not ovulating, right? And it's made my cycles much lighter, much more bearable, given me my energy and mental focus back. But this isn't personal bias I'm talking here. This is the research and all the research is in the back of my book. I have pages and pages of research studies that you can refer to and look at the benefits. Um, and so estrogen, adding estrogen in, in late perimenopause, early menopause, in the form of either biased cream, which is estriol and estradiol, kind of a 50-50 mix, or um, other people like straight estrogen patch, which is estradiol. Um, however you want to do that, um, it's going to help you sleep regularly, offset the onset of Alzheimer's disease, offset heart disease, and maintain bone density. So all of those are really, really important for longevity and quality of life. Yeah. And, and from what I've heard, we, I had Dr. Jamie Seaman on the podcast. Uh, she's an OBGYN here in Omaha. And she said, there's kind of a 10 year window about where those bioidentical hormone, um, treatments can be beneficial to, um, prevent or reduce the risk of, or reduce the intensity of the cardiovascular disease, dementia, osteoporosis. Is that what your research showed as well? Where kind of 10 years from the onset of menopause is the golden window for HRT? Absolutely. 150%. Okay. And here's the cool thing too, is, you know, and the, the North American menopause society won't come out and say this yet. They just updated their position paper in May of 2022 they won't say yet that hormones are safe for long-term use, but I interviewed many doctors for the book and did research. There's a great book called Estrogen Matters that every it's it's been a Bible of mine through the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and and going by my own clients, some of whom are in their 70s and have been on hormones for 20 years. And when they go off, when they try withdrawing, their hot flashes come right back. So they're like, I'm staying on this forever. I have their testimonials in my book. And they're like, yeah, I'm never going off hormones. Like I'm going to stay on. And my advice is, you know, obviously work with a doctor who is going to monitor your levels throughout. Once you start hormones, um, especially if you've had a history of uterine fibroids or anything's amiss, or you're worried about cancerous, you've got to get you know, uh, ultrasounds once a year, you need to get your blood drawn three to four times a year. And the blood draws are also important to make sure that your baseline of estrogen is high enough for bone density. You really mm -hmm. want to make sure that that's being checked too. Um, and, and it's something you, you would monitor the way you would monitor if you're on thyroid medications, you it's just a hormone. So you do need to maintain consistent levels in your blood for sure. Mm -hmm. 
And I know that you've spoken about this, I think in a previous podcast, but I thought it was important to touch on as well. Um, just how the gut changes in perimenopause mm. and menopause and how you yeah. like foods uh, that you may have tolerated before you might not tolerate anymore. And what are some of the symptoms that might cue someone in to think, Ooh, maybe something that I'm eating that didn't used to affect me is now affecting me. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about like how the gut changes in yeah. these, you know, the decade of perimenopause and menopause? Yes. And the reason why I do uh, a stool test is to, to make sure by the way that your gut is detoxing estrogen and progesterone and or testosterone properly, because your liver handles the first two phases of detox, but your gut handles the third. So, um, we have in our, so uh, we have like the most sophisticated, well-engineered bodies and our small intestine is no exception to this, um, in our microbiome, which is, you know, trillions of bacteria, beneficial bacteria is a subset of bacteria called the estrobolome. And this makes sure the subset bacteria makes sure that you're processing estrogen properly and not reabsorbing it, that you're actually detoxifying it. So you want to make sure that you don't have gut inflammation. And and the paradox of uh, menopause is that often the decrease in hormones, the decline in hormones also leads to, you know, an increased gut permeability, uh, poorer production of stomach acid, more bloating, more reflux, greater intolerance to foods. So that's another great reason to get ahead of menopause with hormones as early as possible, because um, that will also really benefit the integrity of your gut. Now, what I often do with women, when I see a leaky gut or intestinal permeability or uh, heartburn is, you know, I remove often the root cause of heartburn. I see an H. pylori, which overgrows in an environment without enough stomach acid. So we repopulate, we first, we clean out the H. pylori with biofilm disruptors and some really nice broad spectrum, natural anti-parasitics, antibiotics that are herbal. Uh, and then we actually repopulate the gut with hydrochloric acid because digestive fire, it acts as a firewall and keeps H. pylori out, prevents SIBO, prevents candida, you know, it kind of keeps everything in check in your gut and really keeps the borders secure. And then um, that alone helps reduce inflammation in the gut, improves neurotransmitter production in the small intestine. So ultimately it helps with brain fog and cognitive function and sleep as well. Yeah. And I don't want to glaze over that. I think that's a really important part to talk about um, the gut brain connection as it relates to hormone productions that keep us happy and keep us alert. So can you speak a little bit more into what hormones are produced in the gut that affect our cognition and our mood? Because I think that that could be new to some people. Well, it's really the, I mean, the serotonin and dopamine that is produced 90 to 95% of neurotransmitters are produced in the gut. So that is really going to be the happy place. Um, Hormones get produced, you know, in typically in the ovaries until perimenopause and or menopause. And then that production gets circled back to the adrenals, which is bonkers to me. Like, right. (laughs) Absolutely bonkers, which is why, you know, adrenal support is so important. But here's the other piece of that. When I'm cleaning up someone's gut, Often I have to strengthen their adrenals first before Mm. doing the gut cleanup, because if your system is low in resilience, if you don't have the bandwidth, if you're so fatigued and knocked down uh, already with your energy and your cortisol is really low, it's much harder to fight infections in a depleted state. So I really spend, you know, three to four weeks building someone up with lots of probiotics and adrenal support first before Mm. detoxing the gut after that. That's really interesting. So what do you feel like are the most common symptoms that people come to you for where that may like that protocol might be appropriate, where they need the adrenal 
support and they need the GI detox? Yeah. Like what are the main things that you really help treat? Well, um, all the menopausal symptoms that we talked about, the hot flashes and the bloating and the weight gain around the midsection and the high mm -hmm. cortisol or very low cortisol, insomnia, brain fog, irritability, vaginal dryness. Those are always the laundry list. I can describe every single client who's going to walk in the door before they've walked in the door. I know exactly what people are struggling with because I see it time and time again. And so a good takeaway from this, Morgan, is that while each of our bodies is really unique, you're never alone in your journey. Thousands have walked the path before you and thousands and really millions, yeah. <laughs> and a billion pretty soon, yeah. will walk it after you. So we're all in this together, which is why I'm so passionate about spreading the message for women of how they can navigate through their menopause and give them the tools to do it. So they don't feel, you know, gaslit or underrepresented or unheard. Um, but the gut back to your question, you know, the better your gut is going into menopause, the easier your menopausal transition will be because yeah, that's interesting. You know, it really makes a huge difference. And it's funny for me, I can tell you, you know, I, I got through mold and we're wrapping up Lyme, but my gut had, it didn't respond to all my H pylori treatments with mold. So now I just did another GI map, <laughs> my third one recently, and we're going to just finally fix all those gut infections. But I can tell you, I have still a lot of bloat in my belly that is from these chronic gut infections that will get healed. But, you know, when you are having um, a laundry list of chronic illnesses or chronic health conditions, you do, it, it is best to try and slay one dragon at a time. I mean, I needed hormones really early on, but my body just could not have handled going through taking binders all the time, taking to, to uh, get rid of the mold and two different medications and nasal sprays, and then having to kill off the Lyme with herbal antibiotics that enough, that was enough. So that when we did hormones, it was like, oh, real slow, gentle progression. Yeah. But, um, you know, you just have to be patient with the process and trust that your body will heal itself in time. You just need to give yourself a little grace and that it can be bumpy for a while. One thing that I keep thinking about in this conversation, just since I'm a very minimalistic um, person, I think when it comes to medications and even mm. supplements, it's like, if I can get it from real food, I'm yeah. all about that. But then furthermore, what's the root cause of the stress? Like, okay, we can support the adrenals, but like for me, the, maybe the root cause of the adrenal stress was the caffeine. So instead of like adding holy basil and the other one, what's the other one? There's ash, uh, holy basil. There's rhodiola, ashwagandha, something else. Cassandra, uh, oh, the chase tree for you. That one. Yeah. The chase okay. one. Okay. Okay. Chase. I have to remember that. Taste. So instead of just As adding in, that, sure. okay. Ch chased, chased. Okay. I'm As in chastity belt. Chast okay. <laughs> I'll remember. I'll try. <laughs> oh, there's yeah. There's the caffeine withdrawal brain fog going on. Um, so, but, but, you know, I think that this is to my credit, like instead of just supplementing, I'm going to the source. I'm not just like adding that on in addition to the caffeine and saying like, I'm going to try to keep this habit and then supplement my way out of it. It's like, I think that that's a really important conversation to have that like, what is the root cause of your stress? Because so many of the women that I work with are stretched too thin and they're doing so many things that are causing the stress and then just simply like getting the hormone tests and going in for blood tests and like doing the supplement that to them is an additional stress. So can we speak a little can bit they? just about like reducing yes. the baseline stress instead of like adding more things, how can we yes. reduce some of the baseline stress? And you know, that's, that's honestly such a big, I think it's a huge problem that yes. people don't that, that they don't value kind of exercising the parasympathetic nervous system is how I like to say it. Um, 
we overvalue doing things in this country. And the best example that I have of this is where I went on a mission trip once to Russia and we got oh. caught in China. So for whatever reason, like there was a storm and our plane went reroute and we, we got, we were stuck in China. None of us had visas. Our, our leader had a visa, thank goodness. And air China paid for us to stay in a hotel for a week, like random, random stuff. We went to like the square, we went to the great wall of China and we all felt so bad because we're like, we're supposed to be helping people. Like we're supposed to be seeing, you know, elderly and like working in the orphanages and, and serving And we feel really bad right now. And our leader was like, you know, sometimes we're just, we're not called human doings. We're called human beings. And I was like, that always has stuck with me that sometimes we're just supposed to be and not do. And I think that in this culture of, um, busyness and like success and achievement that that has been lost. And I think that a lot of people are on antidepressants and on anti-anxiety medications who really could benefit from taking personal stress management really seriously. Um, so can you speak to that just for a hot minute here? Oh my God. I would get so hot to speak about this because the greatest tool in my healing was not any supplement I took or drug it was meditation. And so my doctor who I worked with, I mean, his name's Tom Moorcroft. I think you may know him, but I don't think I do. Oh, he's in Berlin, Connecticut, but he does work virtually in a few other States. He is a chronically happy human and just (laughs) the most relentlessly positive man. And he, uh, was doing a meditation. It was called meditation RX. The link to his course is actually in my book. So I was like, Tom, yeah, I get the word out there on this, but I was like, okay, I am a such at people look at me and like, you're so calm. You're so no, I'm a motor that runs 24 seven, this brain don't shut off. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I'm going to put myself on a meditation challenge and do it for eight weeks because it takes a minimum of eight weeks. That's 56 days. It's actually less than two months. It takes a minimum of 56 days for your fight or flight center in the brain to start to reshape for you to You're get regular me. eight nope. weeks. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Okay. So people say, Oh, I meditate once a day and or, or once a week. And I, I'm, I'm not so consistent. I stink at it. I stink at it too. I'm not saying I am this Zen Buddhist wearing robes, you know, in a monastery somewhere. I'm saying that meditation is just about breathing and returning to your breath and not shutting your brain down. It's all about bringing thoughts in and then kind of swiping them past and returning to your breath and returning to your breath. I have gotten my most creative downloads during Mm -hmm. meditation I, the success of this book and the celebrity uh, accolades that have come my way all through meditation, not through a PR firm, not through anyone else's connections, mine alone, because I conjured that into my imagination. Okay, enough tooting my horn about that. My biggest accomplishment though was, and this is what Tom taught me, was envisioning myself as a radiant, healthy person. And so- as, and letting my body catch up to that image. So when love I was, that. I love was that. so badass. And he was like, your problem isn't that you're not dreaming. Your problem is that you're not dreaming big enough, go bigger and bigger. Like, what are your big, hairy, audacious goals? What is like, what are you open to receiving that is beyond your wildest imagination? Right. He taught me to ask these questions of myself. And so I lost the ability to lift weights and strength train for years and years, which was such my passion. All I could do was walk, maybe do some gentle yoga. Otherwise my whole nervous system just collapsed for two Mm. days after. Wow. And so I envisioned myself lifting weights and being strong. And eight months after I started my meditation, I was able to return to strength training. So it started, it happened here first. It happened in your brain first. Yeah. Yeah. Dreams happen twice. 
dreams don't, uh, what you create in your mind first happen or what you envision for yourself first happens in your mind and then happens in real life. And so it was literally to this day, it was, I long passed my year milestone mark and I missed one day in that whole time. Wow. And so I can't even tell you, it makes you a better decision maker. It enables you to be happier, be calmer, um, to react and not respond. And I'm not going to say that I'm perfect and I'm always calm. I absolutely explode at times and, and get enraged. I have a teenage son in the house who pushes my buttons like no one has ever pushed my buttons. Oh, don't tell me that. Dawson's only four. <laughs> oh, it is. I mean, it's I coming. I started dropping F-bombs. Like COVID <laughs> broke me. My language is no. And I said to my son, I'm so glad that you're older and I no longer have to pretend that I don't swear. That is so Because funny. we just all broke open and lost it. So, you know, I'm not going to say I'm perfect, but I will say how my business has grown and scaled and the level of which I handle on a daily basis is tremendous. And I always, I never miss my meditation. It is my drug of choice because if I do, things are not going to be good. Then my mm -hmm. stress management goes out the window. So that I can't recommend enough for anybody who's listening to this, that that is where you need to start and you can do it guided. I never do it on my own. I'm always doing guided. So there's, um, there's headspace, there's calm. Uh, I use insight timer. Um, there's like bazillions mm -hmm. of there's pause. There. Pause is one that I recently downloaded from, um, a listener that emailed me after hearing, you know, I just did a interview with a doctor on Ayurveda and she talked a lot about medica uh, meditation. And I said how hard it is for me because I yeah. think part of it was the caffeine, you know, and, and that was something that I journaled about this morning was I sense that it's easier for me to sit still and breathe when I don't have that like jittery rush of caffeine. Mm. So I think that part of my inability or maybe my lack of desire to meditate was also the caffeine kind of pushing me into a state that, that <laughs> that's kind of the opposite of like that calm meditating state. So I wanted to ask you to like, um, I'm big on mindset work. I do mindset work every single morning. And part of what I say to myself is I prioritize my emotional and physical health every day. I am a present, calm and engaged mom. And so, but like when you feed yourself like really good thoughts like that, I, I truly believe just like you do that the inspiration to try to, you know, not drink coffee or at least really reduce my consumption came from that quiet, still time of the thoughts that I was giving myself of like, what's preventing you from yes. being a present and engaged and calm mother. Like, Hmm, let's think about that. Like how are you not prioritizing your emotional and physical health every day? Yes. Hmm. Let's think about that. So I wanted to know, like my personal practice right now is just like 10 minutes in the morning, like reading my personal faith formula, writing out my gratitude and then sitting just really quietly and breathing. Like maybe for a minute is what I'm at currently when we're recording this, but what's your meditation practice? Like that you say, I'm just going to repeat this. The most powerful thing that she has done above and beyond all the supplements and all of these things is meditating. So what have you done? What have you found to be helpful? Yeah. So every night I do it before bed because we all have time before bed, right? Everyone yeah. says, I don't have time. I don't have time. Even if you have kids, you can meditate with them when you're putting them to sleep. That can be your meditation time. Or for you, Morgan, it's first thing in the morning. Some yep. people get up 10 minutes early, 20 minutes early and do it while they're kind of in that dream wake state. Um, I also, you know, listen, some people, for some people, it's walking in nature. That's very meditative. Um, just create a time in your day when you can be consistent with yeah. it. That's going to be different for every person. But um, yeah. And if you fall asleep, by the way, to, to your meditation, like that's okay too. Your brain still absolutely is going to process the information. Yeah. I'm going to have to play around with it. Cause I don't like my phone by my bed. I keep it in the bathroom. And yes. so if I'm doing like a guided meditation, 
that's not going to work with me if it's like right next to my bed. Um, so maybe in the morning, I feel like would be the best time to have it stack on, you know, the meditation to the mindset work that I'm already doing. Um, yeah, I really appreciate just that and hearing that. And I think that other people, I hope that they take it seriously, you know, and if they're, if you're not already meditating, if you're not already doing some sort of mindset work or mindset practice, recognizing that that strongly impacts your hormones and your healing, um, is important. So Ashley, the, the gal that did the gut health conversation with me, um, she was talking about just the importance of being in a parasympathetic state when you eat. And I was just like, wow, like that is so powerful. And how many of us eat on the go or how many of us eat when we're working or, you know, when we're stressed or you're watching a scary movie, just jump down the popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, that's true. Oh yeah. Like watching a suspenseful movie. Like, oh yeah, that's, you know, like snorting, snorting lines of milk duds in the theater. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Right. Oh man. I used to do that. Those milk duds, (laughs) they really stuck to the braces though. Oh my God. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Okay. So what would be kind of wrapping this up? What are your, like any takeaway points that you really want people to remember aside from go by the book, which I'm really excited to read that one. I think that one's going to be a really good resource for people, especially myself, like preparing for perimenopause. Um, but what, what are some like last takeaways that you really want people to remember? Okay. So number one, if you're working with your doctor who gaslights you or just, you know, says, well, that's just the way it is. And and looks at you and offers no solutions in sight. Go find another doctor. Uh, There's plenty of functional medicine, MDs, uh, functional medicine, GYNs Mm -hmm. in certain states, naturopathic physicians have prescription privileges as well. Find yourself a doctor who's going to A, specialize in hormones and give you support. B, um, if you don't want to take hormones, find a healer who's going to also give you non-hormone options. I do this all the time for my clients too. Um, A functional medicine dietitian like myself can order the testing. We just can't prescribe your hormones. So what I do is I liaise with doctors uh, and find doctors for my clients so that again, they have a total team approach in the process. Um, Number two, you know your body better than anyone else. So chances are, if you are like, I'm pretty sure it's my hormones. I think my adrenals are off. Like I've never had a woman who guesses and is wrong. It's very rare unless she says, you know, I think I have SIBO and she might have H. pylori or something. But for the most part, we know our bodies really, really well. So listen to your body. Don't dismiss it or sweep it under the rug it's much easier to address things at the front end than it is later on in life. So don't think, sit and think that ignoring it is going to make it better. You actually need to take action. And even though self-care can feel like one last thing to do and that you, you're at the bottom of the list because your family or your job comes first, I will tell you my most successful clients, the ones who get the best results are pretty much willing to sell the rights to their firstborn child (laughs) to get (laughs) healthy. Okay. So prioritize yourself. Let's be clear, ladies. We are the glue that holds our family together. And if you're down, your whole family's going to be down as well. So ask for help, ask for support. If you feel, you know, you you don't have the finances or finances are an issue because you need to pay for your your child's braces and you need college tuition, this and that, talk to your partner or your spouse about partnership, not permission. Nobody is ever going to give you the money to go spend and invest in yourself. You have to decide you want it and figure out how to make it happen. I have payment plans for clients. Most practitioners have some kind of payment plan. There's all sorts of creative ways. I have my clients, you know, write off uh, working with me as an expense, as like a training in functional medicine, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's all sorts of ways you can get creative with funding to make it happen for yourself. It's really important. You don't ignore your health. And I think most people can afford a book. Like, let's be real. Let's be real. My book is $15.99 on paperback and $9.99 on Kindle. So really- 
that's the other reason why I write these books, Morgan, because, um, you know, some people say, I'm just not ready to invest with you yet, but what solutions do you have? My goal with this book is to have every woman own it, take it to their doctors and say, here's the research studies on the benefits of how you can help me. This is what I want to explore. If every woman does that, we're going to change the medical system so that most doctors do know about menopause care. You think about 10, 20 years ago, there were no organic foods available in Walmart and widely available. There were no gluten-free foods on menus in restaurants. We, that is consumer demand. And so when we use our collective voices as women, think about how we can change the landscape of menopause, not only for ourselves, but for our daughters, our granddaughters, our nieces, our sisters, cousins, you know, we can absolutely change the landscape. And I, I do believe it's going to get much better than it is now, but it's going to take some time to get there. Mm -hmm. And I just think the most beautiful thing about this is when a woman cares for her body, she can show up in bigger and better ways for her family and for her community and make a bigger impact. And I think that that is such, I think that's the highest value proposition here is like when you feel good, when you have energy, when you're not in pain, you can show up and you can live a life that you're proud of and that you are excited to live and you can just feel good. And that has a ripple effect that has an undeniable ripple effect on your family, your friends, your loved one, and your community. And so I think not only are we changing it, you know, from a physician patient relationship, but you're changing society at large when we're showing up as healthy versions of ourselves. So I so appreciate your expertise, Esther. I just, I think that, I mean, I talk to a lot of people and I I'm pretty good at like telling, like when someone really knows their stuff. And so I think that that's like one of the reasons why I'm really excited to read your book is because I know that you've synthesized a lot of your, you know, 20 some years of expertise into a book, into like a, a user guide manual through perimenopause and menopause. Um, and you've talked about a lot of the different supplements and whatnot. I know all those are going to be in the book. So, um, tell us where we can learn more about you and where we can get it. Yes. Well, first of all, I'd like you all to download my happy hormone cocktail. It's at estherblum.com forward slash cocktail. And this is a beautiful free resource guide to get you started right away at optimizing your body through perimenopause and menopause. And you will also get on the priority notification book um, list with my book release. And uh, you'll get so much weekly content from me as well. And if you want to hop on over to Instagram, I'm at gorgeous Esther and also put out a lot of content there too. You do. Awesome. Well, I am going to go pre-order the book right now. today. I'm really excited. And I just want to give you a big congratulations. I have never written a book. Don't know if I ever want to, but I'm a heck of an endeavor. So congratulations. It's a, thank you. It's my fifth one, Morgan. And I'm like, I have basically given five years of my life to writing books. And this one, this one was, um, you know, this was such a beautiful download from the universe. Like it poured some books have really mm, been amazing, challenging this one. I was like, I couldn't write it fast enough. I was so fiercely passionate about getting it out and just being the voice using the platform to represent all the women who don't have a voice or don't feel seen and heard. I was like, Oh no, girls, we got you. Like this is fire. So I'm really stoked about it. Well, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your time today. And if you're listening and you're in perimenopause or menopause, please just expedite your learning process and buy the book. So thank you. I appreciate your time. (laughs) Thanks Morgan. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the reshape your health podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and don't forget to tell a friend. To learn more and connect online, check out the links in the show notes.